0: Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Mackenzie Colton who is the one of the leaders in a movement called the Get Real Movement. She has a huge story to tell, somebody that's really living her life purpose and making a big difference in the world in her, her own way right now. So sit back, relax and let's connect. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I uh, hope you're having a great week wherever you are. This is going to be a really special podcast. I'm interviewing somebody I've known for a very long time in my life, since uh, she was a kid, I think grade four perhaps even, and uh, Mackenzie, she's doing some incredible work in the world right now with um, something called the Get Real Movement. Uh, This is somebody when you combine passion, passion, With really utilizing the gifts you've been given and making a difference on the planet. Um, I would say that is Mackenzie Colton and she has a lot of wisdom to share with us today about the impact that she's making and the messages that she's sharing with uh, the youth today in our communities. Um, The Get Real movement is all about a gay straight alliance movement, trying to have those conversations in schools and bringing more awareness to this subject and how we can become more united as a planet. So it's going to be really, really awesome to connect with her. Um, And just before we we dive into that conversation, I just also wanted to um, thank you all so much for listening so uh, regularly. Uh, to the podcast, and for sending in all of your ideas for guests and topics for the show. Just so you know, you can always contact me at my website, keithmcpherson.ca, and uh, please reach out with ideas for who you think we should have on the podcast, uh, topics we should be covering, and uh, also check out all the resources there to bring a little bit more mindfulness and leadership into your life. So without further ado, please sit back and uh, take in this beautiful conversation with Mackenzie Colton. All right, well, joining me on the podcast, we're sitting here in Winnipeg, and it's finally turning into summer at this time of year. I'm so happy. And actually, it's still spring, but it's going to be summer. And I'm really, really looking forward to chatting with Mackenzie Colton. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I, uh, I'm i so excited. I've known you for quite a bit of your life actually. Yeah.
1: A long time of my life.
0: Yeah. Like you were in one of the first Keith and Renee music videos.
1: Yeah. I was in grade four when that happened.
0: Oh my god. Grade four or five. I think that's right around when I got to know you. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And those listening, I was like in a band called Keith and Renee. We shot a music video at my old school. Yeah. And Mackenzie, you were (laughs) in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty good. I look back and watch that video and sometimes I show it to people and You can't really recognize me now, but it was, I felt so cool at that time being in that video.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. You've had quite a life, like for somebody so young, like you're still very young in in my eyes because I'm an old man now (laughs) since you were in grade four when you were in my music video, Mm -hmm. but you've really lived quite a bit of life. And when I think back, one of my first memories of really getting to know you was you were um, a musician busking at a place called Clear Lake, Manitoba with your brother.
1: (laughs) Yep. Good old busking days. Yeah. Yeah. That was so fun. We we just picked up a guitar and decided to just see what happened. And it was really cool. And we did it for years, actually. But you never really know how many people will stop and listen. And it's just two kids and we were probably like 12 and 14 at the time. And yeah, just picked up a guitar and went for it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've always (laughs) seen you somebody that really has big vision and dreams big and kind of also goes outside of the normal box. Like you don't stick to the status quo, it seems. That is very
1: accurate. Accurate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So back in the day when you were busking, I just want to hear a little bit of your perspective of that. What what was going through your mind back in the day? How old were you about?
1: Oh yeah. Well, we busked from probably I was mm, 13, 14. My brother was 12 13 ish and we busked for probably three or four years and Clear Lake had just started having a busking program okay and so we just st- kind of hopped on that bandwagon and did it every night right outside the ice cream shop which was the ideal spot and and from that we got some really cool opportunities we got to open up for Craig Jacks and, uh, um, glass tiger at one point, Wow, which was really cool. And just, I mean, we had no idea that those things were going to happen at that point. We were just going to sing Jason Mraz, I'm yours and just go for it. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I just, we're going to get into what you're currently up to in a Mm -hmm. bit and it's quite amazing. Do you feel like, um, your background from that time had an influence on what you're doing now? That's
1: an interesting question. I think that, especially with music, and you'll know this as well, but you're thrown into situations quite frequently where you're meeting new people all the time, you're taking risks, and you're just kind of taking opportunities as they come. And I think that definitely what I'm doing now and, and those things has, in a way, come from that. And I think that being so young and doing music and having relationships and I mean, working with a sibling or anything like that teaches you a lot. So mm. I think that definitely it ties in for sure.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about taking risks and kind of going out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and skip ahead a little bit, you're in high school. Yeah. I remember you came to a leadership conference and shortly after yeah, your life seemed to shift.
1: It really did. So
0: what happened? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Well, I started to kind of think about my life and myself and really look at maybe was I identifying differently than a lot of my friends were. And so I actually came out as a member of the LGBTQ community in high school, in high school. Yeah. I, I was in grade 10 at the time and I had kind of a difficult situation with a friend and was put into a situation where a lot of people found that out really quickly, which I was fine with. And And for people that are listening, like I kind of came out, I guess, outside the box, you could say, Mm. um, I have never really labeled myself. I think that there's a lot of power in labels. And I think that a lot of people really identify with a certain label and I just haven't. Mm. And so even when I, you know, came out to my parents and my friends and those, those people, I said, I am just going to date the people that make me happy. And I'm just going to date the people that I feel a connection to and whatever gender or, or if there was a gender that doesn't matter to me. And similar to like race and all those things, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's something that's been really interesting becoming more and more recognized in the community is a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Mm. They don't like the whole not label thing. They like the pick a box and identify and stay in that box and, that's just never something that I've been into.
0: Wow.
1: Um, and coming from my frame of mind, it was just kind of, uh, well, I don't know what my life's going to look like forever. So I, I didn't want to be put in a situation where I was in a box and then I didn't identify with that anymore. Right, And I said like, what's up with these boxes? Right, They make no sense. Yeah, They're for everybody else. They're not for yourself necessarily. And so I decided that I was just going to So I identify as a member of the queer community, but that to me probably would mean a lot different than to other people.
0: Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm just mind blown with how (laughs) that must have been in the 10th grade to just have that awareness. And then to actually, did, did you have a choice? Like, did you consciously come out to share that or was it kind of just, it happened to happen?
1: (laughs) Um, it definitely was kind of a conscious thing, but I think that, it just kind of spread quickly. And that was the end of it. Like I didn't necessarily feel the need to tell every single person because I figured that it would get around and it didn't feel like that big of a deal to me necessarily. So, Mm. um, I just felt like I was going to live my life and if people wanted to criticize that, then they could, but I was just going to do what made me
0: happy. So what was the response from people when you first made that announcement and came out?
1: Mostly really, really well. Um, like, I had a really good, for the most part, group of friends that were very supportive. My family has always been so, so, so supportive of me. Um, And so from that, I decided that um, the one thing that I wanted to do was to start a GSA or a gay straight alliance in my high school, which was a bit more of a difficult task because it was a religious school. Mm. So I started noticing, we'll skip a bit forward to grade 12, but... Uh, I noticed that a lot of younger students would come to me and ask questions because it was kind of a well-known thing in the school that I was a a resource that people could talk to if they wanted to, because there weren't those in the school. Wow. Um, and after a while, I just kind of thought, why is there not a space where we can all come together and just talk about this? Like I'm texting all these people at one in the morning. Why can't we just all start a conversation about this?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was like a need for this to happen.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a need in every school. I think, um, sexuality and, and these types of things are such big conversations today and young people have a lot of questions. And so
0: do you just on, on that point, do you yeah. find that it's an uncomfortable conversation for most teenagers or is it comfortable?
1: That's interesting because I think even in the last five years, there's been such a shift because I remember in grade 10, it was kind of scandalous
0: Yeah. I remember being in high school and like, we did not talk about this. No. Yeah.
1: Um, But I think there has been a bit of a bigger shift. I'm going to say even in the last three years that I've noticed in schools where it's not as big of a conversation of like, are you in the community or aren't you? It's just like, where do you fit in or Mm -hmm. how can I kind of be there for you if you have difficulties with parents or a tough environment to be in? So I think it's a lot. the conversations just shifted, I think.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you noticed back in in the 12th grade that there was a need to bring people together to have these conversations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that students were just, especially coming from a religious school, you would have a lot of religious parents. So I think that maybe just the the climate that we were in, there was a bit more of a need for support for students.
0: Wow. So then what mm-hmm. happened? How did, what happened from there?
1: So a couple of my friends and I, we kind of got together and we put this proposal together to start a, a GSA and there was a quite a bit of pushback. Um, it was really difficult to create that change because of the religious aspects and, and looking back on it now, I think the biggest thing was fear. Mm-hmm. Um, in administrators and in parents and things like that, like there was a lot of, uh, what are these people going to think? Or what are these people going to say? Or these parents are going to be upset. And I think what frustrated me the most was, um, the fact that it felt like they were doing it or they were thinking about everybody else, but the people that needed it.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was like actually more concerned about the outside world. than totally. The people that are trying to figure out their questions. Yeah. Around this. Right. Or like you're trying right. to worry
1: about everyone else outside the wow. school, but not thinking about the people that are in there and like, how yeah. can you support your students? So wow. it was, um, a lot of work and there was a lot of <laughs> speed bumps along the way. Yeah. Um, but in the end we did get it started and yeah, it was crazy. The first meeting there was over 70 students that attended
0: Wow. And what did that first meeting look like? Like what happened?
1: I, I was like tearing up actually the first meeting, just seeing all the support from the parent or the, the staff and the students. And it was really, really incredible. And I remember each of the four, there was four of us that kind of started this group, but each of us got to say a little bit about why this was important to us. And I remember saying just like how I said to you a couple minutes ago, kind of my outlook on, how I identify and things like that. And I remember a lot of students coming up to me and being like, I didn't know that I didn't have to choose a label and that makes me feel so much more comfortable. So thank you for sharing that. And I think that was kind of the spark of, this is something that I want to do and reaching students like this is important and this work is important. And yeah, it was a really cool moment.
0: That's amazing. I'm like, so appreciating your, um, courage and bravery to actually be able to do that in the 12th grade. Like I I just think about how quick my heart would be beating <laughs> if I had to get up in front of 70 of my yeah. schoolmates and, and speak about my personal experience and encourage them all as well. Like that, that's real bravery on your part to be able to do that. How did you get the courage to do it? Ugh, Where does that come from? I, I have from? no idea.
1: <laughs> it was, and it wasn't easy. Like that's the thing is that I bet I think that, at the time, it was just, it was one of those things where nobody else was going to say it. So you kind of have to say it. Yeah. Um, and it was such a kind of taboo topic that it wasn't discussed in classrooms. It wasn't discussed in health class. Mm-hmm. It wasn't talked about. And so I was just at a point where I didn't know if anyone else was going to. And I knew I would regret it if I hadn't said anything. Wow. So I think it was like that fear of regret that was the, 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 was the motivation yeah. Of like, I can't leave here and not have said this to students because who knows who's going to need to hear it. I know that when I was in grade 10, I would have loved to hear it. Sure. So if there was a grade 10 sitting in that room that I could kind of reach or connect with, then mm-hmm. that was worth it. Even mm-hmm. if, even if it was scary.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm loving the idea of no labels and just how, as I'm listening to your your story how there's such a um, tension and conflict between the outer world opinion uh, and then what we actually are, like our own inner purpose. Totally. You know, in the work I'm doing as a coach, we talk about like socialization and how a lot of people hang out in sort of a reactive mode, meaning you're just reacting to the social standards. Yeah. And then when you rise up in leadership, they call it like self-authoring, where you're like, you're authoring your own story based on your own inner Mm -hmm. creativity. And Mm -hmm. I I totally sense that that's how you've been living your life.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think even today when I talk to students about this, I say that it's, it's really confusing. Like it really is. It's a hard kind of transition period where you're taught all your life. Oh, you're going to have boyfriends or, Oh, you're going to get married and all these things. And then you're like, what if that's not what I want? And it's really confusing because a lot of people are brought up with that mindset. And so I think that when I, when, and I, I was lucky enough to not really be brought up in that. Like I was raised to be able to love whoever I wanted and have my life be kind of how I wanted it to be. But I know that a lot of people's lives aren't like that. Yeah. And so when you are confused and then suddenly you're like, oh shoot, I have to like, okay, if I'm not this, I have to be one of these things. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, just do what makes you happy. Right. And so I say to students and especially to teachers when I talk to teachers, um, it can be hard to come out if you don't know exactly what you're coming out as. But sometimes you just want to be acknowledged as being yourself. Yeah. And so, like, let's say you you know that you don't like boys or you you like more than just boys or whatever, but you don't really know exactly kind of where you fit, it can be hard to still stay in that, like, heteronormative type of society. But at the same time, you don't want to come out as the wrong thing, hypothetically. Right. So I always say to students, like, you don't have to pick. Like, your life's so long, especially when you're in grade 10, 11. Like, there's so much learning time. And, you know, there's so many life experiences that you have to go through in order to, like, 100% figure out who you are. And so it takes some stress off. And, And that's like a a big thing that I hear when I talk to students is like, wow, I feel a lot less stressed out about having to pick something.
0: Sure. I'm curious, like I'm imagining that there are people listening here that are in the middle of parenting and Mm -hmm. are trying to figure out (laughs) how would I deal with my children to bring them up in a way that encourages this or maybe not. Maybe there's fear here of like, you know, because you're still in that sort of societal viewpoint. Like Mm -hmm. what's your take on how parents should show up to this It's like a bigger question than just sexuality, in my opinion, as you're talking. It's like, how do we allow our children to be raised in a way that they can be free without labels? Any thoughts on how you would encourage that?
1: I mean, I'm not a parent and parenting seems so complicated. Just like, you know, even just watching my parents parent, it seems very complex. But I think that and you see a lot of these conversations happening about gender and gender roles and how like a lot of times boys are taught to play with trucks and girls to play with Barbies and those things. And it's like, just let your kid play with what they want to play with. And Uh. then you kind of get rid of those labels. And, and in my academic studies, we look a lot at this kind of stuff and it's just all about kind of bringing it's what we could refer to it as it bringing people up in a neutral zone. Mm. So where it's not one way or the other. So kind of getting rid of those binary ideas of you're this or you're that. Like kind of having the gray area of like, just do what makes you feel happy. Just do what you identify with and we'll go from there. Right. And I think that especially age two, three, four, five, that area of time when you're learning all the society expectations and things like that, if your home environment is very neutral and you're in a place where you can just be supported for whatever, Mm -hmm. I think that that is a, crucial starting place. And that would be my kind of idea of that.
0: Wow. And I'm, I'm playing the other side as you're talking, cause I'm thinking about people that are just very much embedded in like rule keeping mm-hmm. and they're like, well, this is how it is. Like this is the society's yeah. way of thinking. We can't, we can't let our kids just be totally free. Like yeah. I'm sure that there's a mindset of that. 1st mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that links back to your comment about, is that fear based? Where is that coming from? And how does somebody even like begin To move in the direction you're talking about.
1: Well, I think it comes back to tradition and you see that a lot in like, well, I found in high school, like the religious traditions and all those things like gender traditions. Yeah. These are ways of living. Ah. These are, these are ways that you've been brought up in and told this is the way. Mm -hmm. So for there to be an alternative that you're not aware of, it's fear of the unknown. I think it's like, well, what's going to happen if if we don't have this or what's going to happen if we raise our kid like this and then five years down the line, this happens. Like, could we have prevented that different things? So I think it is fear of the unknown and people really like routine and tradition and they feel comfortable in that. Right. So to, to suggest an alternative, I think can kind of ruffles, ruffle some feathers in people for sure.
0: Constantly like Mm -hmm. it's right at the edge right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So, um, back to, what happens so you're mm-hmm. you're back in the 12th grade this group starts it's meeting at your school and then what what happens from there
1: um the end of grade 12 was pretty difficult um i just felt that i wasn't able to be doing everything that i wanted to uh just because there were a lot of restrictions and things we couldn't do and um the rules the rules, a <laughs> yeah. lot of rules, which some part of me looking back, like I get it. It's high school. There's a lot of parents that have very strong opinions about things, and right. um, so many different opinions. So, I I felt quite frustrated just because I I didn't feel like I could do fully what I wanted to there, and so I graduated and went into first year of university, just doing an arts degree, and I didn't really think that this was what I was going to move towards and career path or anything like that. I didn't think that the GSA was really going to connect to what my life plan was going to be. Um, But I just saw this sweater one day And it had an equal equal sign on the front. And on the back it said, No homophobia, no racism, no sexism, yes, love, yes, equality, yes peace, or something like that. It was I can't remember all the words, but wow. that was on the back. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, that's such a cool sweater, I want one. And so I went on the website and they didn't have my size and I emailed the just the email on the on the website. And yeah. I just kind of told a little bit of my story and maybe two sentences just saying, I started a GSA in high school and I think what you're doing is really awesome. And this is great. I would really love a sweater. So
0: this was a company that was making these sweaters.
1: This was a company, yeah, a Canadian company that was creating these sweaters and they're like a nonprofit organization. I didn't really know much about them at all. And I got this email back from this guy named Chris. And we just kind of started talking over email, just chatting back and forth. And I just said, hey, like if there's any anything you ever need from volunteer, like let me know. And pretty much overnight kind of I started doing these bulk orders of these sweaters.
0: Really? Yeah. Was it because you were wearing them and people were seeing them? Yeah.
1: I was wearing them around like Winnipeg and Manitoba and in Clear Lake and stuff, and people would stop me and be like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Where can I get one? Really? Yeah. And so eventually I just started saying to Chris who is from the get real movement. That's what this movement is called. And I said like, I'm just going to start doing these bulk orders and selling them from here because there's a lot of interest. Wow. And he he was like, that's awesome. That's great. And sold a ton of sweaters and then really kind of started talking about their messages and promoting it on my social media. And Manitoba just really responded super well. And it was really crazy to see. And I, I genuinely, genuinely didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. But at the time I was also doing some consulting with GSAs as well, just kind of talking with other students that were having similar struggles that I did in their schools and Mm. doing that kind of stuff. And at the same time doing women and gender studies courses at the university, learning some stuff there. Wow! And then Chris and and his partner, uh, Marley, she's the other, um, executive director there at get real, they invited me out to Toronto, which is where they're based over the summer. And we got into conversations and it was such a fun weekend. It was made some great memories. Just, just finally meeting those people that I had been emailing with for well half a year at that point, I'd never met them.
0: Well, and just out of curiosity, the get real movement, like mm-hmm. what's the premise just so we for yeah, people that don't know about it.
1: Totally. So it's, it's a nonprofit, a national nonprofit and it, they focus on creating safe spaces for LGBTQ plus youth and they do that in a couple of ways. Okay. At the time they had their after school program in Toronto, which was like a, a youth group that met once a month. And then they also do school tours all across Canada oh. talking in high schools about diversity and inclusivity and all of those those things. How oh, to wow how to kind of create a safer school environment. And so right away, I loved the premise this of it. This was like
0: exactly what you were doing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it was, amazing. it was
1: such a, such a cool kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, so yeah, I went to Toronto and we kind of came up with this idea for an after school program in Manitoba. Wow. Yeah. And so then I started that and, and now we're kind of here. It's crazy. It's
0: unbelievable. And so Initially, when you go into university and you're getting Mm -hmm. your arts degree, like what was sort of your, uh, what were you working towards? Like before this whole get real thing took over?
1: I thought that I was going to probably go to law school. Okay. And that's not totally out of the question at this point, but I think that working with youth, especially, is something that I've over the past year really discovered how much I love working with youth. Yeah. And um, kind of this subject area, like talking about, these topics and discussing them with students is really something that I'm passionate about right now. So, I mean, life is long, so a might happen down the road. But sure. But
0: mm-hmm. currently this is a pretty full, like I see you online, you're doing so much with the get real movement. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty full on. You're in schools, you're, you've got this after school program happening.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really, I was just talking to Chris a couple of weeks ago about how I've only really been working with them for just over a year, but so much has happened. Like mm-hmm. I really do feel like it's such a main part of my life now and it's, they're just so amazing and the organization itself and all the people are just so genuine and hard working and
0: wow. yeah. Wow. And so what... In terms of um, what happens at the after school program mm-hmm. right now that you've developed with them, what what mm-hmm. happens? What, what does it look like? Yes,
1: yeah, so we have about 15 students this year and they come together once a month and we bring in speakers and mentors and we have some volunteers with Get Real as well that come in. And it's just a really safe space where you can be yourself and you can be authentic and you can meet some friends that might be experiencing some of the same things. And they're all from different schools, too, which is nice. So. Especially we have a couple of GSA leaders in our after school program and they talk with each other about what they're doing in their clubs and yeah, it's it's really cool to see to see them network with each other.
0: Wow. Yeah. And GSA, like just that's gay straight alliance. Gay straight alliance, so yeah. So what is that exactly?
1: It's basically just a um safe space where you can come and it's for allies as well. And it's just a well, the way I've always looked at it is it's a community of people that are all supportive of each other and are willing to be there for each other if there are struggles that they are going through.
0: I see. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight.
1: No, doesn't matter. It's just
0: an alliance yeah. an acknowledgement that we're all one and can yeah. have conversations about this. And,
1: yeah. And there are definitely wow. the topics are focused on LGBTQ plus kind of topics, but there's a lot of things that come up and it's really just a, a place to meet people and have friends and,
0: and right. yeah. You know. Have you been noticing an impact as a result of this? Like what are some any stories or anything that you've noticed, like from the after
1: school program? Or? Yeah,
0: just in, and in general.
1: well, one of my one of the students actually went to, oh, where was he in Ottawa for something a government conference, a youth conference where there was a lot of government. And he was meeting with with somebody that didn't have very supportive views of transgender rights. And so he sent me an email about it and, and, and he said, I'm so upset and like, I don't know what to do and all these things. And so I said, this is like, I'm really sorry that this happened to you and all of this. And I completely understand and have been in similar situations. So what do you want to do about it? Like, what do you want? How do you want to use your voice? Like what, hmm. this obviously has sparked something in you. Like, how can we use this? Hmm. So we came back and a couple of the volunteers and him, we were all talking about, kind of starting this awareness campaign for um, this certain person and just talking about transgender rights and how you can support, support people. And so for me to see the students in the program kind of have that similar passion that then they can kind of develop their own ideas and go out and, and into their communities and and talk about these things. It's, it's really inspiring.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. How can we support people like in this way? What, would you, what, like, what kind of advice would you give?
1: Well, I talk about this quite a bit when I, I do go into schools and I I don't do the formal get real presentations right now. I, I've i kind of put together my own presentation that talks about my experience and my story, but also what I've learned from um, developing the GSA in my high school and how you can create a safer school climate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the formal get real presentation, but I am going into schools and when I do... I talk a lot about empathy and education. Ah. Those are like the two, my two biggest things. And I've written a couple of papers on this. Um, So first of all, you have to kind of educate people on the fundamentals of differences. So you kind of have to say, okay, if people are different sitting in a room, what makes them different? Educate people. What exactly makes me different from you or this person different from this person, not in any negative or positive way, just like neutrally, how are you different? Right. And then you have to teach empathy, which I think a lot of people assume you're just raised with, but it's actually kind of a teachable thing. And so I show a Brene Brown video. I don't know if you know
0: Brene I Brown. totally know Brene Brown. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I show her empathy video, which basically talks about why empathy is hard. It's because you have to put yourself in a position where you feel some of the pain they're feeling. Mm. And talking about, especially with LGBTQ folk, talking about how it can sometimes be hard to relate to something that you've never gone through. So, kind of some of the skills and different things that you can use and being there. And so, if someone's having a difficult time with their parent, you say, Well, how can we come up with a solution for this? So they feel us alone. Mm. Because I think that that's the biggest thing. And through talking with students and my own experience and my friends, it's, it's feeling really isolated it's feeling alone so I think that the biggest way to be empathetic to someone that's going through those things is to just be there with them even if you don't know exactly what they're going through mm. it's to put yourself with them so that they feel like they have a partner or some someone that has their back no matter what
0: and how about for people that are like not in um favor of what that person's going through like Do you know what I mean? Like we, when you get Mm -hmm. in a situation where somebody is like, well, I don't agree with this person choosing this, like that sort of outside mentality, Mm -hmm. like what, what advice would you give that person that's really struggling with trying to practice empathy?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that, and I've definitely encountered those types of people where they kind of have a, a block up. They can't really see exactly the issue where they don't fully understand the issue. And that's why I think it it comes right back to education. Like I have found that if I'm talking with someone that doesn't understand kind of, um, what it means to be gay or what it means to be in the community or what it means to be gender non-binary or things like that. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of just explain it to them in a really calm way, because if you're defensive, they're going to be defensive and if you're aggressive, they're going to become aggressive. So, and that's something that has been hard. Like I've learned that over time. That was not, I used to be kind of, why do I even have to explain this? Like, this is so dumb. Sure. Um, Yeah. Like questions felt like an attack, but I, I have learned especially in the past two years that questions sometimes, most times are just an effort to learn.
0: Wow. How did you shift into that mindset? That's really powerful to move from a place of like fight into yeah. like just allowing yeah. A little more peacefulness there.
1: Well, when I had this, this friend that wasn't very supportive of me when I first came out, I really felt offended by her questions I really did not understand and I felt attacked by her questions. And then two years ago, I had a friend that was going through a similar thing and, and her friend was asking her pretty much the same questions that that friend had asked me. Mm. And I said, well, she's just trying to understand. And then I realized that I didn't give that friend the opportunity to understand when I was in that position. And I think that what I said to this friend is I completely get why these questions are annoying and why they're really frustrating. And sometimes questions when you're not fully confident in yourself can be really hard to answer because right. sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't right. know the answer. And yeah. then you're, and then you think, Oh my gosh, like, do I even know? Like, should I have even come out? Was I this? And it's kind of starts a spiral.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so for, for me, I think back then when I wasn't confident in myself and I didn't know, and even, even the whole not choosing a label thing, that was very not, like no i didn't know a single other person that did that at the time mm-hmm. so that was kind of a newer thing that that i was just thinking should i even be doing this like yeah and so those questions really kind of brought out the insecurities that i had so i think that over time as i got more confident i felt like i could answer the questions and not Second-guess myself.
0: Wow! And how did you build the confidence in you? I know so many people struggle with this, where like that self-acceptance piece. Mm-hmm. But at the root of all of this, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the the lack of self-love and like the the invitation to move into more self-love and confidence. Like yeah. anything in particular that you practice to sort of move in that direction? Because you come across as we're talking here, just very confident and very yeah. like self-love is there. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I. Th- I honestly think that it, it wasn't something that I did necessarily. I think Mm. that when, when I was establishing this GSA in my high school, I was kind of thrown into a position where I had to be confident Uh, because as soon as you're not confident, people don't necessarily like believe that you're capable of doing it. mm. Like, so at the time, I had to be fully confident in myself and what I wanted to do with this GSA and how I wanted to impact students. Because if I wasn't, my concern was that they would say, well, do you even know what you're doing? Like, are you even going to be able to run this club? Things like that, right?
0: Was there any part of you at the time, though, underneath that front feeling not confident?
1: Oh, oh, for sure.
0: Okay. Just checking. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: was very, very insecure because frequently I had these people saying you're doing the wrong thing or you shouldn't be doing this or right. this is causing trouble and you're stirring the pot and you shouldn't be right. And that oh, causes yeah. insecurity in you for sure. You're like,
0: you're going oh, right gosh. up against the, yeah, the yeah. fear based totally. mentality. Right.
1: So I think that I, 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 I honestly think that I was kind of faking that confidence for so long that eventually it just actually settled in that like, Hey, this is, this is okay. It like it became true. Yeah. Like I've done this, like, Wow. People, people have trust in me now and uh-huh. I can talk to these students and share my story and people will learn from it.
0: This is reminding me of when I first became a yoga teacher yeah. <laughs> because there was a teacher that instructed me in our teacher training that mm-hmm. said, um, cause I was feeling so not confident to go up in front of a class and, and teach people yeah. how to do yoga. And she said, "Fake it till you make it." Fake it. T- <laughs> she was like, "So true. Just assume that you know what you're doing, yeah. and eventually it'll become true." Yeah. And it's reminding me of that as you're as you're speaking about this.
1: Well, and something that you just said really reminded me of when I was starting the after school program. Um, like finding sponsorships and finding funding is like a, a big thing when you're starting a pilot program. And so I would go into these meetings with these people, and I'd talk about the story, and I'd talk about what, why I wanted this program in Manitoba. And I remember it was the day before the first after school program session. And I was so excited. Mm-hmm. But then there was this moment and I was talking to my mom and I was like am I qualified to do this? Oh wow. And that kind of that insecurity came back. I was I was thinking like am I the right person that should be doing this? Like Get Real has put all this trust in me to do this here. Right. And is this going to work out how I wanted it to? Because this is something like this, this after-school program was something I had been dreaming about since grade 12 and it was finally happening. And then there was this moment of kind of self doubt and it it, like imposter syndrome is the official
0: term for it. I call it the saboteur. Yeah. The saboteur. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was just thinking, what if this goes horribly wrong? And I've invested so much time into this project and I've gotten so many people on board and excited about it and that I'm not able to like pull it off.
0: Right. How did you deal with that?
1: I faked it till I made it. <laughs>
0: oh, I see. Yeah.
1: And so I went in, right. I went into the, to the after school program and I started it pretty much with the same exact mini speech that I gave the first GSA meeting and Pretty instantly, the students, I saw their reaction, and I saw kind of the comments that they had said after, and I, I got them each to write this little reflection paper at the end. Like, what did you take out of today? And when I read those, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like you got this. this. Is,
0: this is working
1: out and this is exactly why this is important yeah. and this is why I need to be doing this was those reflections it's from remi- the students oh,
0: it's like it reminds me it can be so hard to trust ourselves and mm-hmm. our intuition yet what I'm really appreciating about you is like you're there's fear but then there's a fearlessness it's like you have this laser focused vision of something bigger than your own insecurity that you're gonna even fake it till you make it mm-hmm. because you know how impactful this is gonna be to the people that are gonna experience this
1: yeah, well and I even had that when I started going into schools and doing like these kind of my presentations. And high school students sometimes can be very difficult to read.
0: Yeah. Because I bet I know. You can look I've at them
1: it. and yeah. half of them are staring into space, thinking about something totally different. Right. And I remember after like I can't remember, maybe it was a presentation before I even started with Get Real, but um I just kind of started with this philosophy of if one person in the room walks away feeling better about themselves or feeling like they can do it, then that's it. Like, that's worth it for me. Wow. It doesn't need to be the whole room of students because I realized that that was super unrealistic. Yeah. So I just, re- I, I narrowed it down Beautiful. to one. And and most times the majority of it, it is the majority of the students that I talk to in their reflections because I've started to do this thing where at the end of every presentation, I give a little slip and I say, ask them two questions. What's, what is the one thing that you took away from this presentation? And that's just for me because I don't really want to be saying things that they either already know or that they're not really interested in. Like I want to really reach the people that I'm talking to. And then the second thing I ask them is how do you want to create change in your school? Mm. And when I get these papers back, it's never just one student that has taken away something great from it but it's for me it's all about just one student because mm. i could have been that one student in grade 10 that needed it right and so i do it for that one student
0: oh i love that mindset as well you know there's i can imagine there's people listening right now that can relate to this outside of even the the story we're telling like mm-hmm. i think about people in the workplace that get these intuitions to like speak up or to voice what they really want and then they hold back out of fear or i might lose my job or Mm -hmm. you know and then in the mindfulness framework piece especially here as you're talking like around the imposter syndrome and that saboteur mindset yeah and i just i'm coming back to this thing again of like fake it till you make it as you're sharing that because Mm -hmm. i'm thinking about um how powerful it is our, our our ability to believe and like feel it as if it's true like to feel as if it's yep. true. So it's like to get up in front of a group and mm-hmm. share or to speak your opinion, even if there's like that kind of lack of confidence or that voice in yeah. your head or feeling. It's like, why not just go and go just, for it? Like, yeah. Trust well, your gut.
1: And this was another thing that I, I like to share with students that say, I want to do this thing, but I'm scared of this or I'm worried that this is going to happen or I'm worried people are going to think this of me.
0: This is a worldly epidemic. Let's just name that. Oh, it's yeah. It's not <laughs> just students. Like, oh, everybody yeah. Feels everybody feels Yeah.
1: Well... And something that I started when I was really young, and I don't even know the first time I did it, I couldn't even re- remember. But I talk about it, this metaphor of at Pan, do you know Pan Am pool?
0: Yeah, the pool. You know, the platforms Love at Pan Am there. pool. Yeah, you know, the
1: platforms that you jump off of. Yes. So I remember always going to Pan Am and like standing on the edge, and oh, I don't know if I want to jump. Like oh, it looks scary. What if I fall? Or what if I belly flop? Or what if it isn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I feel
0: like that when I'm up at the 10 meter one and I'm looking at the pool.
1: Yeah. And you're (laughs) you're just freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And so at Pan Am pool, I started to do this thing where I would stand on the edge and I would take a breath and I'd count three. I would go one, two, three. And on three, I would jump every time. I wouldn't let myself chicken out. Wow. Like on three, every time I would do it. Okay. And at first it was just like a, a Pan Am pool kind of thing. But then it kind of started going into my life where I would Be wanting to take a risk, but I would have all these fears, and I would go, "I'm going to count to three and do it." Wow! And the biggest thing that I can use as a as a common example of this is like an email, and like sending an email to the Get Real Movement, where I said I really want to be more involved. That was a moment where I was like, "Should I do this?" Like they have so many people that are emailing them, and they're probably not going to care, and they probably have people that do all this stuff for them already. Right. And then and then I counted to three, and I sent the email, and it's turned into this this big thing.
0: That is amazing.
1: And so when students say that, I say, when they say, I'm scared to do this or I, or I don't want to, or I'm, I'm worried that this is going to happen. I tell them that I say, you just got to count to three and do it. Cause you never know what's going to happen. And you might belly flop. Like sometimes belly flop happen, but what if you don't, and if you don't jump, you'll never know.
0: Right. And if you're getting that intuition to take the risk, it's like, take the risk. Yeah. Wow. Because I sense that fear is actually just a sign that you're on the right path.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I think that
0: in that, in that way.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Because it's like, if the fear is trying to make you, it's like fight or flight, like the part of your brain that's like, are you really sure you want to do this? Yeah. But you know, to trust that gut. Wow. So right now in your life, Mm -hmm. um, if you were standing on the 10 meter platform at Pan Am right now, Mm -hmm. and you're about to count to three and you're going to jump, what's life calling you to right now? That's like freaking you out, but you know that you need to do it. I'm putting you right on the spot here, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm just curious, like in a mind of fear is what comes up. I don't,
1: I don't fully know. I think that, well, I actually had, I had a big audition a couple of days ago that I was really scared to go in for, but I did it and that was good. Oh yeah. We
0: should mention you're an actress as well. Well, ish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Ish. I do some acting as well, but, um, I really have loved starting to speak in schools. Like, for the first half of the year, my priority was really establishing the after-school program. Yeah. And then, um, I just had a lot of schools reaching out to me either for GSA consulting or talking, talking to their GSA or leadership groups, or I've done a couple of, um, like dinners that I've been, this, uh, guest at. Um, and that part is really exciting to me right now. Mm. And so I would love to be able to do more of that. Um, and maybe developing some sort of middle school program because, I know that these presentations on this subject matter are becoming more and more common in high schools, but I think it would be really interesting to develop some sort of middle school presentation.
0: That's awesome. Um, because I haven't
1: really heard of that much in Manitoba.
0: So wow! Amazing. That be, yeah. That's a one-two-three jump. That's a big endeavor. That's a endeavor. One, two,
1: three jump. Yeah. I don't wow. know. I just I this year, especially in the last couple of months, it's been really refreshing to kind of take a step back and remember and acknowledge kind of the difficult times in grade 12 where I felt like I wasn't able to do anything and that my voice wasn't heard and that I wasn't able to reach people Mm -hmm. and and to now I'm just so grateful that I was given this opportunity to be able to do this because I really I remember feeling so stuck and I don't feel stuck anymore is great.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I see you as somebody that's really living towards your life purpose in a, in a bold and fearless way.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and inspiring. And there is, it's, it, it wasn't a hundred percent easy. Like there's a lot of, with establishing any new program, people, people will push back or people will make assumptions or there'll be just like logistical issues. And so that has taught me a lot. So it's been a really, really amazing. And, and like you said, I am still very young. So I feel very, again, I, I keep using the word grateful, but that's really the only word I can think of that. I've been able to learn these things young because I know that in my future projects, I'll be able to look back on that and really use what I've learned from this experience.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Who do you most admire?
1: <laughs> um, that's a great question. It's a hard one. I, really admire and this is like a cheesy answer but I really admire my parents. Huh. Um I think for two different reasons. Um my dad um has stayed in the same career his whole life but has really developed the business aspect of it and has really like become such a prominent business person, I think. And for my mom, she went back to school after she had kids and, um, has become such a powerful woman in her workplace and is very okay with taking risks. And I get that. I get that from her for sure. Mm. Um, but they have both taught me a lot. And even through this whole get real process and speaking process and in high school, I would not, be able to do this kind of work if I hadn't had the advice and the lessons that I had got from them so young. So I really, really admire both of them. And I frequently think about how they would handle situations and, and yeah.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm. I can see it in you as you're talking. <laughs> you have very similar qualities. Um, And one last thing I'm curious about is just the vision that you're holding for the future as you're standing here Mm -hmm. in the present and with all of the work that you're doing, what's your hope for the future?
1: My hope for the future is that we move to a place where the boxes are a little bit less prominent. And I don't know if that's like, something that I will do personally or something that I will help work towards but I think that more people should feel okay with just living in the neutral area or living in the gray area or or not fully fully like having to choose because it it has been originally it caused me a lot of anxiety to do that and there were times where I thought about just like labeling myself as one thing just because it might be easier in some aspects. Um, But the more and more I go into schools and talk to students, like that's probably the number one thing I get in the reflections back is it makes me feel a lot better knowing that there are people out there that don't label themselves. And I think I need to start doing that. Wow. And so that, I guess talking about back to that insecurity thing, that was something I was really insecure about was not having a label. Um, And through doing this, through seeing other people, really kind of celebrate that aspect of myself that I was insecure about. I think that that has made me confident in it.
0: Mm, that's amazing.
1: And so I would really like in the future for more people to just kind of have that mindset of just like, I'm going to do what makes me happy. And it's true. Like people, people will be surprised by the things that you do. Um, but I think that's okay. Like kind yeah. of throwing curveballs at people is fine. Like, it's fine.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Yeah. Like, who cares if, yeah. if you're happy and if you're safe and you're making good decisions, like that's what it comes down to is, is your internal happiness. And so whatever other people say, like it, it will affect you, but you also need to remember to focus on like, am I happy? Do I feel secure in myself? Am I dating the person that makes me happy? Mm-hmm. And if if you answer yes to all those questions, then the rest doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I want to
1: work towards that.
0: I love that the Hawaiians, the ancient Hawaiians, used to say, "Do what you will, but harm none." Mm-hmm. So it's like following that inner bliss as long as it's not harming anybody else yeah. outside of you. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what that's reminding me of. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: it's it's really cool, and I'm I'm at a place where I feel very very lucky to be able to talk to these students because I would have really benefited from it. And I think that the more and more people that are talking about these, these topics, the less it becomes like a taboo thing or where you don't feel safe to talk to your friends or your peers about it. Like it will just become a lot more normalized. And then I think that life will just become a lot better for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. What a great world it will be when we mm-hmm. no longer have to put labels on gay, straight, yeah. black, white. Yeah. It's just like, we're all connected. It's like this totally. one, this Be who you need to be in in the spirit of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So where can people find out about this work that you're doing in the Get Real Movement?
1: Yeah. So I have, um, well, there's two social media accounts running. If you want to follow the Manitoba one specifically, that's more updating on what's going on in Winnipeg and what's going on in Manitoba. That's just at GetRealMB. So that's like our social media. Um, And then the Get Real Movement at the Get Real Movement is the whole Canada wide one. Um, and then, if there's any youth that are listening that are interested in joining our after school program, we will be running again next year for the full year. Um, we're really excited about it. And so, you can send me an email at mckenzie at thegetrealmovement.com or on my social media as well. Message us.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending this time here Thank and you for having me. inspiring us all. <laughs> and uh, I just really want to continue to encourage you to just follow that inner bliss. You've got serious, serious quality and high leadership ability and, uh, a very awesome vision for our future. So thank you for being here and, uh, keep doing the good work. Thank you
1: for having me. And thank you for, I I have to say, like, I really have known you for a long time in my life and, um, you have taught me a lot as well. So I want to say thank you for that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thanks. All right, well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here right now feeling so inspired to really follow those inner whispers, those parts of me that I know are my true life purpose, and to live into those fearlessly without worrying about the opinion of what everybody else is going to say. So um, I hope the words of Mackenzie inspired you just as much as me. Make sure you check out the Get Real Movement. They're doing some amazing work in the community at large. And uh, until next time, everyone, be well, live fearlessly, and we'll see you next time at Let's Connect.